Welcome to Spotlight. I'm Kyle Campbell, senior reporter with PERE. Like many institutional investors, the California State Teachers Retirement System has drifted away from commingled funds in recent years. The $240 billion pension prefers other high-exposure, low-fee structures that deliver optimal returns at a minimal cost. The best example of this is CalSTRS core real estate portfolio, which has beaten its five-year benchmark by 1.2 percentage points. It credits this outperformance to a healthy dose of joint ventures, separately managed accounts, and ownership stakes in operating companies. In 2017, the CalSTRS investment team saved $132 million fund-wide compared to its peers, according to a third-party study. Much of that savings was derived from internal asset management, but CalSTRS thinks it can do better. The second largest public pension in the U.S. wants to expand its in-house management capabilities across asset classes. It also wants to focus on more direct styles of investment. It will do this through a new strategy known as the collaborative model. Well, simply put, the CalSTRS collaborative model is an effort to bring assets internal um, so that we can do three things. We can save costs, we can control our risk, and we can develop a pipeline of opportunities. That's Scott Chan, CalSTRS Deputy Chief Investment Officer. He was hired last year and tasked with implementing the collaborative model. Now, the way we do it, I think, is, is a bit broader than one might think. Because in the, in the simplest sense, somebody might say, to take assets internally, I'm going to build my own team. I'm going to build all the infrastructure. And I'm going to operate the assets internally. And that's what we do in fixed income, where we manage 85% of our assets in-house. And in public equities, where we manage roughly 53% of our assets in-house. When we get to the private markets, it's not going to be strategic for us to bring all of those staff in-house and to to build all of that infrastructure. So we broaden the definition of internalizing those assets in the private markets to include things like joint ventures, separately managed accounts, customized accounts, and in, in some cases, owning partial or majority interest in an organization. CalSTRS has used non-fund structures for decades. It launched its first separate account in 1987, just four years after it split from the California Public Employees Retirement System. But these vehicles have played a bigger role during the past decade. In 2017, to manage 44% of our assets in-house, we spent $30 million in fees and operating expenses. And to manage the other 56% externally, we spent $1.8 billion for all the fees and incentive fees for that. So you can, you can see that by these numbers, the CalSTRS collaborative model is the most significant implementation strategy for us and, and why that would be and why it's taking shape in that form. Mike DeRay, CalSTRS' longtime director of real estate, said his team has seen benefits beyond mere cost savings. This more direct style of investing not just saves fees, but puts us in a position to be more nimble in the marketplace. So in the case of real estate, having a direct relationship with developers or even asset allocators that we can move faster to take advantage of opportunities just gets us better deal flow. And the size and the structure of our relationships, because we, have, we feel we have alignment of interest, gets us fee savings, and the combination of those two things should should yield higher returns. It doesn't mean we're not going to make any mistakes along the way or, or losses along the way, but over the long term, we've found in, in the real estate group that it's yielding higher returns, and we're steadily beating our benchmarks. Within real estate, the CalSTRS playbook is already set. Twelve of its top 15 managers use some kind of non-fund structure, and those that don't are firms such as Blackstone that offer things like scale and deal flow that CalSTRS simply can't match. The pension also owns operating companies, including Fairfield Residential, a nationwide multifamily landlord. Other asset classes will follow the same principles, but implement them in different ways. 
For private equity, the fund will double its exposure to co-investment. For infrastructure, it will team up with other investors as it did with APG and Argo Infrastructure Partners. The core concept is collaboration over allocation. It was the one word that crossed asset class strategies. Real estate might be collaborating with a local developer partner. Infrastructure might want to collaborate with with large institutional partners so they can do club deals for large transactions. And all of us want to collaborate with our existing partners or maybe new partners to kind of stretch the boundaries of the type we invest, whether it be co-investments. So that's where the collaborative term really, uh, where we really grasped onto it. It really crosses asset classes. We didn't want to have different names or strategies. It just, it was the word that we felt as a team allows us to kind of send a message out there that these are the type of relationships we want to do. And across our asset classes, the collaborative model is taking a, a different form. Right. So our manager is necessary. I think absolutely, because as Mike was saying, there's certain things that we can do well and internalize. And in other ways, we might want to be in their commingled fund. We might want to you know, create a customized account. We might want to do a joint venture, might want to own a partial interest of them. We, we might want to own a, a majority interest. Right. So th- the toolkit is available but executed in different ways. Mike's group, I think, tends to be on the advanced level of the collaborative model in, in our private markets. But if we look at private equity, matching their, their method, you know, what are their resources, how, how are they gonna build this? They're looking to take one step out, and for them, that's really doubling the amount of co-investments they do. During the past 30 years, CalSERS has exceeded its total benchmark by 30 basis points a year. In today's dollars, that translates to 600 million annually. The goal of the collaborative model is to exceed that level of outperformance. Yet, while CalSERS may have high hopes for this new approach, it's not stacking them up against hard targets. In early September, it released an updated strategic asset allocation. Although it calls for greater investment in real assets, the collaborative model was not factored in. The annual return target remains unchanged at 7%. I don't expect there to be you know, significant surprises for anyone. Um, I think the some of the trends that we've seen where we're moving a little bit more into private markets and a little bit less into public markets, I think that's going to continue to be a likely trend. And, you know, as we look at the sample portfolios that, that the board is reviewing. And the second part, I think you, you were talking about the CalSTRS collaborative model. And to me, that's separate because, one, we're setting the strategic asset allocation, which becomes kind of the bogey and target. And the board is asking staff and delegating all the implementation of staff and saying, staff, take some risk and exceed those benchmarks, exceed that bogey, right? And the CalSTRS cloud model is, is again, the major strategy for us in executing that implementation. And to be conservative, none of that is going to be baked into a long-term forecast, right? So we're forecasting, quote unquote, beta returns on a very long-term basis and correlations and covariance, et cetera, to come up with a strategic asset allocation. But we're not, you know, it would not be conservative enough if we started to put in what we think we can do in terms of better returns or cost reduction or better on the risk side, right? So that that's, you know, essentially... Um, how we're going to implement. CalSERS has committed to grow its staff from 180 to more than 300 to support the strategy. But doing so will be easier said than done. Paying and retaining talent is a perennial issue for U.S. public pensions, where governing boards are less willing to sign off on hefty compensation packages than their private market competitors. What we're trying to do is connect our investment strategy 
with the people that we need to hire, the types of skill sets we need, and the market compensation that's necessary to achieve those goals, right? So our compensation committee is going through a 12-month-ish study to go through a lot of those issues, the compensation package, the classifications or the, the different levels of people, which we want to expand because as we grow, we're going to want to understand how we can grow and hire different skill sets. And uh, the third is just trying to be innovative and, and understanding how can we hire this next generation of leadership. Duray credits the CalSTRS board with taking a progressive approach towards staff compensation. Along with paying higher salaries than some of its peers, he said the organization emphasizes performance-based incentives, such as bonuses, to encourage risk-taking. But that's not to say CalSTRS isn't looking to other pensions for inspiration. I credit like Texas teachers, they've started to open overseas offices and we're learning from, from our brethren of how to do some of these things as well. We're meeting with our, with our partners, whether they're state funds or sovereigns and saying, what steps did you take? And you know, what are the risks in doing that? And how can you, how can you accomplish these goals? That was Scott Chan and Mike Duray of the California State Teachers Retirement System. Be sure to check out the October issue of PERE, where we dive deeper into the collaborative model and the movement toward direct investment. To hear more episodes of the Spotlight Podcast, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and across PEI Media's various titles online. For PERE, I'm Kyle Campbell.